Well, welcome to our service here at Christmas Eve, and we're so glad that you're here uh, with us. Over the past few weeks, we've been talking about what, uh, what the real meaning of Christmas is. Every year, you, there's no end of people who come out either for good reasons or bad reasons and complain that uh, we've lost the true meaning of Christmas. And perhaps that's true for uh, some people. I, I, I really don't know what it's like for you at Christmas time, but I think for my entire life, but especially as I get older, uh, think more and more deeply about what the real meaning of Christmas is. And I hope that for those of you that are trusting in Jesus Christ and have given your life over to Him, you've repented of your sins, you've placed faith in Christ, and you're endeavoring every day to follow Him in new obedience, I don't think there's any question. We know what Christmas is all about. Christmas is about the birth of a real historical person, Jesus Christ, uh, to be a king. And there's a lot of contradictions in the story, the contradictions of him being born in poverty, being born in a manger, being born uh, to uh, an unwed uh, mother, uh, being born under questionable parentage and circumstances. There's all of that that is incongruent and contradicts the idea of the birth of a king. But we looked at what it really is that Jesus came as a king, what that really means to come in weakness and poverty and frailty, because He came for those of us who live in weakness and slavery and poverty and frailness. We may not know it, but that's who we are as human beings. And Jesus came as that king. Then we looked at, if you know the meaning of Christmas, if the king really came, and we said the first week of Advent that he, yes, indeed, he did come. So if he came and you are one of his people, then you owe him unconditional, complete allegiance. What he says goes. And, and uh, I told you that we come to him and we say to him, Lord Jesus Christ, you're my king. I will do what you say. I will go where you send me. I will lay the sword of my life at your feet. Command me. Whatever it is, you don't, you don't vote for your king. You don't elect your king. He elects you. And then we talked about what that allegiance uh, looks like and how allegiance to the king can change our expectations. And last week we talked about how it changes our values. And this week we're going to look at how it changes our priorities. How does allegiance to the king change our priorities? So let's take a look at our passage. It's in Matthew uh, chapter 6. And uh, uh, this is a very familiar passage. Uh, so turn there, Matthew chapter 6. And we'll look at uh, verses, uh, let's see, 19 and following. You've heard this uh, many times, and again, I want to remind you all that it's printed in your bulletin, so take a look at it there if you don't have your Bibles with you. But if you have your Bibles, look at Matthew 6.19, and uh, try to hear it again, reading these familiar verses. They can just go zoom right over your head, but try to listen to it fresh and new, and hear God's Word. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, neither thieves break in and steal. 
For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters for Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you drink, nor what you put on your body. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look. At the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of much more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, Even in all of his glory, Solomon was not arrayed like one of these. And if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive, tomorrow it's thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear for the Gentiles? Seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. And sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is God's Word. Jesus is talking about changing our priorities. He's not talking about values. We talked about that last week. He's talking about what is valuable. He is not in any way denying that there are things that are valuable and needful. A very careful reading of this passage will show you that he does not focus on just taking a laissez-faire uh, view of your life and, well, okay, birds don't uh, uh, have jobs. They just fly around and do, you know, whatever, and he feeds them. So I guess I'll be that kind of person and I'll just fly around and I'll do whatever. You're going to starve. He's not talking about that. And we're going we're gonna to go and look at this very quickly this morning and you will see what he's really saying to us. Pay close attention. Jesus is talking about the priorities that we have. Our treasure. What is valuable to us. And, if, and really, you can, you can break them down into what people call your time, your talents, and your treasure. Your time. Time is the most valuable thing we have. All of you know, you don't get time back. Once it's gone, it's gone. There's no getting it back. So we maximize our time. There's our talents, our giftedness. How are you wired? What are your passions, your desires? And that's in all of life. It's not just where you work, but where you play, who your friends are, what you do in your life with recreation, all of that. What is that treasure in your heart 
that has to do with what you love, what you like to do, how you spend your time and your talents. And finally, he talks about our material goods. Really, you've got to have material goods. The first church that I pastored in Florida, I've told you, some of you, that was in Poinciana, Florida, just south of Kissimmee. We were just some few miles from Disney. And uh, um, one mile away from Pleasant Hill Presbyterian Church was the Cove. And I won't ask how many of you know what the Cove is, because if you do, it would embarrass you. But it's the original nudist colony in the United States. So a third of our church, guess what they were? <laughs> one third. They were people who believed that going without clothing was nice. Now, just in fairness, they did not come to church naked. Thank God. And uh, believe me, I saw these people. You would not want to see them unclothed. It's not like you think, oh, they're going to be some really attractive people. No, they were old and ugly and underweight and overweight and weight places you don't want to know where it is and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So you don't want to see these people without clothing. No, he's not talking about don't care about what you wear or what you eat. He's not saying that. He's saying don't be anxious about it. And anxiety is a certain thing. And we'll explain that. He's saying don't be anxiety. He's not demeaning work or value of work or planning or savings or having a 401k or retirement. None of that. But we, we immediately go to that. We think, oh, I've got to strip my life of everything if I'm really going to be a follower of Jesus. And he's not talking about that. But he's also not talking about becoming so preoccupied with it that it becomes a movement as it is in our world today and in the United States. And you hear it every Sunday on late night Christian TV. You can be healthy, wealthy. You can have everything you want. All you have to do is believe and trust God. And He wants you to be rich and all of that. And it flies. Just think about it for a minute, folks. It flies in the face of everything we know about the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament, everything. It flies in the face. But it's easy to get caught up because it's an idolatry that hits us exactly. Who wants to be sick? Not me. I want to be well. Who wants to be poor? Not me. I want to have money. Who wants to be weak? Not me. I want to have power. I want to have access to power. It touches us at our deepest levels. And so in America, it's the new gospel in America. So we're going to look at three things very quickly. First of all, Jesus talks about the place or the priority that treasures, those things that are valuable to you, should have in your life. Then he talks about preoccupation. And I tried very hard to get them all to start with a P. So I want you to thank me after church. Thank you, Chuck, for working so hard. You know, a, th a thesaurus is an amazing thing, isn't it? You just can get a thesaurus. So anyway, I gave you my secret. Uh, the, 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 the place, the priority, how uh, it fits in the scheme of value. Secondly, the danger of preoccupation or obsession with the material. And thirdly, the last thing he points us to, and you can miss this if you don't listen carefully, to the lavish providence of Almighty God. Providence being His every day, every moment, care for everything. 
We think that the, that the universe is just this amazing clock that just got spun out into existence either by accident or maybe a God, maybe some God, some power created it. And it's just clicking right along. Everything is working really good and click, 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 and you can count on it by nature. It's just all happening. And the Bible says, no, that every moment, every second, every breath we take, He is upholding that by the power of His what? His Word. Every time you go, and take in a breath, He says, Chuck, breathe. Life. That's what's meant by life. He is our God. If there's a God up there, He's got to be providential. He's got to be sovereign. He has to control all things. Everything. And so, Jesus, in this masterful Sermon on the Mount, teaches us what it is to have Kingdom priorities. Place, we give it. Preoccupation with it. The danger of that. And the providence of God. So look at verses 19 through 21. Let's go through it very quickly. First he talks about treasures. And when he says the word treasure, immediately we lock on to the idea of money and material wealth. And let me tell you, that is true. Jesus is talking about money. He is talking about material wealth specifically. Now, it's easy and we should extrapolate that to say our time, talent, and treasure because it's all tied together because of the way we're wired as human beings. We don't think of money just as money. And we'll look at that in a moment. The thing that he's trying to dissuade, and listen to me carefully, folks, he's trying to dissuade the idea that treasure equals blessing from God. You see, the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders and the Greeks and the religious leaders and everybody else, pretty much the whole human race, equates material wealth and well-being and everything's going well in your life with what? Blessings of God. God must really like you Because look at all you've got and look at how well you're doing and look at the talents, the time, the treasure you have. Look at all of it. God must be blessing you. And I'm not saying that's not true. He is blessing you. But if you limit it only to the material, if you limit it only to time, talent, and treasure, if you say that's what it is, if you don't see that He's talking about the place it holds, not the thing itself, then he's blessing the mafia. They're doing pretty well. He's blessing all the criminal enterprises, the cartels in Mexico and everywhere else. They got more billions than the the United States Treasury. Are you going to go by that? Are you going to say, oh, look at the churches down the street? Literally, we have one down the street. You know, a palace to the grandeur And you go, wow, God's blessing them. Why can't He bless us? They're full. We have a hundred people. What's going on? Well, folks, if you're listening to the gospel message that Jesus wrote, He is telling you, don't be anxious for these things. Don't let them control your life. Now, I could fill our church if I told you, come to this church, give, and God will bless you. Yes? Say yes. Every church in this country where the pastors have 
the temerity and the blasphemous teaching to get up and say that, they're full. But I'll tell you something. You know, for all my failures, folks, and the failures of your session, because we're men, we're weak, Gary, Dave, Rick, Ugo's the weakest of all. <laughs> I can pick on Ugo because we're so close. Actually, I'm the weakest of all because you know, right? Okay. We love You know, for all our faults, folks, we love you. And I'm not going to tell you that because you're going to hit hard patches in your life. They're going to be there. I don't care how much you give to this church. You can give everything to this church and you'll be broke. All right? But what I will tell you is this. Where is your treasure? What place? What priority does it have? And that's going to make you work. You're going to have to go home and you're going to have to look at everything. Maybe you don't. Maybe you just go home and say, man, that guy's so full of it. I'm never going back to that church. I'm going to go to one that has a good message. It's really going to tickle my ears. But I hope you appreciate what our Savior is telling us is the priority. The priority is this. In fact, in Greek it says this. A literal translation. Go look it up in a lexicon. It's amazing. Why? I don't know why they change it, but they did. The translators changed it. But here's what it says in Greek. Do not treasure your treasures on earth. Do not treasure your treasure. He's not saying don't let them be valuable. He's saying don't treasure them on earth. Because of the very next line, he says, do treasure your treasures in heaven. Do you see what he's saying? In the priority of things, he's not demeaning our value. He's not saying they're not worth anything. He's saying, whatever you have, your time, your talent, your treasure, who you are. And in times when you have a lot, great God be thanked forever. Times when you're struggling to meet ends meet. My wife and I know we had a business for 20 years. We have sat in the banker's uh, office with our hat in our hand asking them to lend us money so we could make our payroll. And those of you in business know that is a death sentence to a business. When you buy equipment, you borrow money, that's a capital investment. But when you're in there trying to borrow money for payroll, you're done. And Marty V and I, on more than one occasion, at least twice that I can remember, had to go in there and borrow money just to make payroll. Does the kingdom matter then? Is it going to influence you or is your treasure on earth to the point that anxiety grips your heart and takes over your soul? This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying don't, it's not about not caring it's about where you place your priority. Where is the value? You've got all these valuable things. He's telling you, my beloved people, listen. He's saying, treasure them with me. Give me your treasures. That way, good or bad, whether you have it or not, you've got me. And I'm enough. 
They can take everything from you. They can take your treasure. They can take your health. They can take your life. They can take everything from you. Twice in the past six years, I've been in a doctor's office and they have told me, you have type 3 cancer of this kind or that. I've had two. I know God's blessing the daylights out of me. I don't get just one. I get two. And at that moment, at that singular moment where you know that everything's going to go, what do you have? And Jesus, in audac- it's, it's audacious. He says, don't worry about it. What? Are you out of your mind, Lord Jesus? Do you, do you know what they just said? And here's a man born in a manger, born in poverty, born to suffer, born who knew suffering like we'll never know, who says, yes, I understand. And not only more than that, I will lay my body bare for you. I will will let them plow my back for you. I'll let them pierce me through, heart and soul. I'll die for you. so that in eternity you may be healed. So you may be cured of that incurable disease, that one thing you can't escape. I'll die for you, so death will never touch you. And at Christ the King, I don't know how many times I've told you, folks, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you will never see the inside of a coffin. You will never see the inside of a grave. Oh yes, we'll put your bo- we will put your body in there and we will mourn and we will weep bitter tears for you. And we'll weep over the sorrow of seeing you gone like that. But you, the moment you close your eyes in death, you will really see. And what you will see is what R.C. Sproul said, is the beatific vision Your eyes will open and you will see the glory of God. That thing which no human being, not even angels, can look at. They they cover their eyes. They cover their feet. They can't look. You will behold Him face to face. Prostanteon. Don't treasure your treasure on earth. Treasure your treasure in heaven. Let goods and kindreds go. This mortal life also. The body they may kill. God's word abideth still. You see, that is something that will go beyond the savings account. That will go beyond the good looks. You know, we're so, oh, we're so handsome. You know, I mean, after all. I mean, we're handsome people. We're beautiful people. Until you hit a certain point and then what? Not so good. And then so, so more and more, you know, we do every kind of crazy thing to make ourselves look better and better and better. Even to the point where in the coffin, they will have a spray. And the funeral comb will be, I watched them do it to my uncle. Right before anybody came in, they were still spraying his poor body to make him look good. And I, we wanted him to look, I, I thought he looked great. We are so much on this earth. Yes, yes, yes. Jesus said, don't, 
Jesus is honest. He's brutally honest, folks. He says, moth, rust, corrupts, thieves, break through, and steal. It's fragile. It's fragile. Put it somewhere else. Put your heart. The treasure is only connected. It's connected to the heart. He's really talking, ultimately he's talking about your heart. Where's your heart? He said, where your treasure is, your heart's going to be. He doesn't deny it. Put your heart where? In heaven. In heaven is a, what it, basically what heaven means is put it under my rule, my reign, my authority. Not the Republicans, not the Democrats, not this president, not that president, not this bad thing, this bad media, this stock market, that stock market. Have you ever noticed the Dow Jones? How many of you have ever seen the graph of the Dow Jones Industrial Average? How many of you? Go ahead and raise your hands. You guys didn't? Good, stay out of the stock market. Okay, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, what does it do? What, is, what does that graph look like? Like this. Satan wants your heart to go like this. Yes? Don't let him have it. Treasure that treasure in heaven. Give your heart. This Christmas, maybe some of you need to do this for the first time. I don't know. Maybe you never have. You know, if you never have and your heart's going like this, I mean, why not try? Why not give it a shot? Why not go home after, after church today and just go get in a room somewhere by yourself and say, you know, this guy, listen to this guy at church this morning, he sounded crazy. But I'm going to show up. You know, Lord Jesus, if you're real, I want to see it. I want you to show me. Somehow, some way, I don't know, I don't care. I, I dare you. I dare you. What will happen is you will be amazed at what God will do. I've been up and down. So have you. Many of you have. And you know that that's real. It's not just a figment of our magic. It's not just us talking. Our, it's not some psychological, some psychological trick. Oh, we need to believe in God because our lives are so horrible and blah, blah, blah. No, it's real. And you won't find out until you give Him your heart and then experience a loss and find Him come and meet you in the loss. In AA, in Alcoholics Anonymous, they tell us we have to hit rock bottom. And I always tell people in AA, when you hit rock bottom, you know what you're going to find? What have I told you all? Who do you find down there? If you really hit rock bottom, you'll find Jesus because that's where He is. He's at rock bottom. You will never, in fact, if you trust Him, listen to me, you'll never hit rock bottom. You'll just find Him. If the cross means anything, folks, it means He hit rock bottom for you, for me, for us in a manger, started there, ended on a cross. And it became glorious and unimaginable on a mountain in Judea where he said to us, go into all the world and tell them this. And if you tell them this, people are not going to go, oh, isn't that interesting? That's interesting. They're going to go, wow, this is either amazing or it's a big fat lie. But there's no in between. Nobody will yawn at the gospel. 
they will either be amazed at the grace of God or they'll just have to dismiss it and say, religion, forget about it. Yes? No in-between with Jesus. And he talks about our preoccupation. He says this. The eye, he gives a parable, and we can't spend too much time on it, but he gives us a parable. Eye of the body, if it's healthy, it's going to be full of life, but the eye is bad, it's going to be worthless, rotten, good for nothing. And what he's saying, he's giving a parable, and he's talking about generosity and stinginess. He's talking about generosity and stinginess. If your eye is full of light, your heart is going to be open, it's going to be liberal, it's going to be willing to give all and everything out to that outside. Me for you. In other words, the temperature, the texture, the, 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 the form and shape of your life is going to be me for you, wife. Me for you, husband. Me for you, children. Me for you, others. That's going to be the the picture of our life if we're healthy but if you're if it's darkness you're going to be closed up self-protecting unable to let go and get outside of yourself i've told you that idolatry what it means is you have a what jesus calls a divided heart you can't serve god and money that's a divided heart you, you, you have to be singular in the way you look at things it's either kingdom priority kingdom up here and everything else flows out somewhere underneath that, however it goes. But if you don't have a kingdom priority, if your eyes are not looking through the eyes of the kingdom, you're going to have a divided heart. And he warns us that we're going to pay a price. Anxiety. And anxiety, the Greek word he uses here for anxiety, is divided heart. It's just always being anxious and uptight and I don't know what I'm going to do and wringing our hands. Oh my God, look what the government's doing. Oh my God, look what this one's doing. Oh my God, look at our culture's going down. You know what? We live in Disneyland, folks, compared to Corinth. To, to Corinth. So, oh boy, the sexuality, everything's going crazy in our country. No, we're still in Disneyland whether you like it or not. The Bible is full of many, many more times and places that were a hundred times more evil than us. And the churches flourished. Let, could, could we please... I want you all to make one New Year's resolution. Will you do this for me? No? Two people. Okay. Three. Three. Okay. Promise me you'll stop whining. No more whining from Christ the King people. Trust the Lord. Trust me, Jesus said. No whining. Trust me. The world is not going down the tubes, folks. This is not a sinking ship. This is a world that that baby came and got born in a manger for, he became a human being because he loves this world. Do you think for one minute he's going to let it go? Do you? Stop it. Trust him. Work for this world. Look around this world. Stop the cynicism. Stop the negativity. Oh, the world is horrible. The world is terrible. Yes! Why do you think He was born? And why do you think He came? But He didn't come so it would stay horrible. He came to invest you. 
All of you, every one of you that will trust Him with salt and light so that you could redeem this world from destruction. So you could be His agents to float the ship instead of abandoning ship. Fight for our people. Fight for the good and the righteous. Yes? Will you make that your New Year's resolution? 2018 is going to be the year that I stand up and take a different attitude towards this world around me. I'm going to spend and be spent, the Apostle Paul said, for this world because Jesus came to save what? What did He came to save? You and me and this world. The new heavens and the new earth are going to descend from heaven above and come down to us. We're not going up there. Revelation 21 and 22 says, come down here. I'm coming down here. I'm going to make my abode with you. And we're going to see the world flourish. Don't give up on our world. I beg you. New Year's resolution. No more whining. I'm going to step up and fight for this world. Why? Because of the providence of God. Look at what he says. He gives this long, we don't have time to go through it. I wish I did, folks. He gives this beautiful, beautiful, I mean, if you want to see the heart of Jesus, look at how he talks about this creation. Look at the birds, my friends. Look, he says, do you, do you see them Anxious? Do you see them worried? No, because they know I will take care of them. Look at the grass. He goes down to the grass, to the lilies of the field, and he says, look at these flowers. They spring up today. Tonight they're going to be withered. We're going to cut them down, throw them in the fire. But I tell you this, look at the poetry of this man. Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like... If, if God will clothe them, what about you? He's begging us to trust Him. Not go around in rags. He's saying, don't be anxious. He says it again. Don't be anxious. Oh, you have little faith. Therefore, don't be anxious. Don't be preoccupied. Don't let that divided heart become your priority. And so much fear. Trust me. And here it is, folks. Here, How do you do it? Look, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Kingdom of God simply means His rule and His reign. Is He in fact ruling and reigning? Is He in fact doing that? If He is, then He's saying, you can trust Me. First, He uses a Greek word that means protos, first, foremost, Seek the kingdom of God, His rule over your life, and His righteousness. In other words, he's not talking about the uh, forensic imputed righteousness uh, uh, that Paul talks about in Romans. He's talking about righteousness. He's using dikasune. He's using a Greek word that's the same word, but the context demands that you understand and I understand doing what is right. In other words, as you live your life out in the community, you are going to do what is right to make the kingdom of God flourish. As Randy Pope's journey guys, journey gals, listen, what does he say? Where we live, work, and play. Every sphere of your life, 
under the rule of Jesus Christ the King so that you can live with joy and gladness. Seek those things. He uses the same word, by the way, that he used that we talked about last week where he seeked or is seeking the least and the lost. Isn't that interesting? Are you a citizen of heaven? Are you? Are you? Hope so. Okay. Where's your treasure? Here or there? Can't be both places, Jesus said. No divided hearts in my kingdom. If your heart's divided, confess. Say, Lord, my heart's divided. I repent and I believe. I will believe. Today and tomorrow, when my heart's divided tomorrow, I'm going to believe again. Because it's always going to be a challenge. How do we know? The Apostle Paul said this. You know, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. How he was rich. Yet for your sakes, he became poor. That we might be rich in him. Let me ask you a very simple question. When was Jesus rich? In heaven. On earth, he was not rich. When did Jesus become poor for our sakes? In the manger. In his entire earthly life. And never, never, never more poor than on that cross where he was stripped of everything. His clothing, his dignity, his humanity was stripped from him. He was an animal. To be crucified was an animal. You were less than human. He lost it all. He was rich. But for your sakes, he became poor in the manger, on the cross, in the grave. So that we, his people, could trust him. Put our trust in him. And be rich. Where? Where? I'm begging you. Think where in this world where rust and moth and rust corrupt and thieves break through and steal, where does He want you to be rich? In heaven. In His kingdom. Under His rule. Under His reign. So that no matter what happens to us in our lives, we have Him. Will you trust Him this Christmas? I pray you will. I pray you will. Let me tell you something from an old a guy that's getting old, older every day. He's worth it. He's worth every bit of what you give. Life and soul. He is the one person who will be there when you die. Everybody else will disappear. Not physically. They'll all be gathered around weeping for you. But at some moment... Your eyes will clothe and you will breathe your last. And for this whole world, there's one destiny. Darkness and abandonment and a grave and the fire of hell. The one person who will be there waiting for you when you close your eyes in death is Him. He is the true treasure. Will you trust Him? I beg you. Let's pray. Father, we do love you.
We are torn. Our hearts are divided by so many things and they will be till we die. But we know that you will stick, that you will stay, that you will never leave us or forsake us, that you have called us to lay our burdens at your feet. You have called us to cast our cares upon you so that nothing in this life can separate us from you. And I beg you, Holy Jesus, this Christmas, as we celebrate your birth, the greatest and most real manifestation of your love to us, that you will change the hearts of this small community here at Christ the King. Let us be salt and life, not people that carp and complain, but people that are optimistic about our future and hopeful and dream big dreams for redeeming this world and bringing it your glory. Please help us do that, Father. This year, more than ever, I pray. I pray you will do it in Christ's name. Amen.